ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it out. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So please, if you've got any questions about today's episode, if you've got any ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Two good ways to do that, email and Twitter. Uh, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at s as in Sue, f as in falls, catholic.org or you can tweet to us uh, the diocesan hashtag is twitter uh, <laughs> <laughs> the wow. hashtag is twitter fail hashtag fail right there diocesan handle sf diocese use the hashtag ignition and we will find your tweet for those of you who tweet so hi father Hey, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Hey, by the way, before we get into today's topic, um, I want to mention, um, really excited about some of the developments. I don't know if, Father, we, on Ignition, we've talked about the um, Legacy of Faith event this August as part of the 125th anniversary, but the, spe- mm-hmm. the speaker list is not quite completely finalized, but we've got some great people in the lineup. Um, this is an event I Do that, tell, do tell. I, w- I will, I will. So uh, it's August 14th, 15th, and 16th. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, going to be sort of a combination of a conference and a festival is how I've been describing it. Uh, Family-friendly, we're going to have a number of family activities, youth activities, uh, and a number of great speakers, and uh, some musical acts too. So musical acts, Matt Maher, the Catholic uh, contemporary Christian musician, will be performing at a conference Friday night. Um, which will be, I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then Saturday and Sunday, among other things, we've got three great keynoters. Uh, Curtis Martin, the uh, co-founder, founder, and president of Focus, which, Father, I think you're familiar with that organization, aren't you? Slightly. Yeah. So the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, which is currently present at SDSU, where Father Dickinson is, and at USD, where Father uh, Jeff Norfolk is our chaplain. Uh, Curtis will be here. Scott Hahn, uh, theologian, convert, uh, author of many books. He'll be here. And then Sunday morning, probably, uh, Jennifer Fulweiler will be speaking as well. Uh, she is uh, a few years ago converted to Catholicism from atheism. Uh, basically a lifelong atheist, uh, and she she entered the church along with her husband, um, and at the time, uh, I think just one child at the time, but she'll be speaking as well. So, Father, our lineup is a little bit like seek part due, I think. Well, I don't... Huh? That's an ambitious... That's huh? an ambitious... Well, come on! Curtis, Scott, Jennifer, weren't they... Well, I don't know if Scott was at seek this year. Well, if we get to 10,000 people... I'm... My goal is to have eight to ten thousand people there. That's my goal. Huh. All right. So come on. If you, you, you don't, what what is it? If, if you don't aim for it, you're not going to hit it. So aim. Oh, high. without a doubt. Yeah. Aim yeah. high, like the aim, aim, aim high. Aim high. And but I mean, there was like a sheer volume of speakers too at Seek. That I know. Were all excellent and would serve as noble headliners of about uh, any other conference. Right. 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 I know. But still, it's pretty darn good, and I'm excited. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that's coming up in August. We'll have more information. You'll, there'll be more information getting the word out. But, Father, I don't think I've mentioned it on Ignition before, so I'm, I'm excited about the speaker lineup as it's developing. So I had to share. So, no, 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 I understand. And I don't mean to be a dream breaker, 
I want to be a dream maker. <laughs> I feel an 80s song coming on here. <laughs> no, no, no 80s song. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's in August, but we have more pressing things before us. Right, Father? We do. We do. Such as the great and joyful season of Lent. The great and joyful season of Lent. And we're going to talk about that. So Father and I are recording this on Tuesday, February 10th. Uh, Of course, next Tuesday is Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, because the next day is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the, as Father said, the joyful season of Lent. So Father, uh, the joyful season of Lent, uh, it's sort of an odd way to put it. Why did you put it thusly? Because the church puts it thusly. Oh, fine. Ha, 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 ha. Well, but why does she do that? Well, because there, well, can we say how she does it and then we can tell you why? That, that's great. That's a, yes, absolutely. Please. Okay. Okay. Because I mean, like, well, okay. Because you should always ask people to cite their sources, Dr. Bergwald. You, well, I, okay. Right? Yes. So where does the church call the joyful season? That's a good question, and that's a question I asked you, and you answered it for me. Yes, I did. In uh, the preface uh, for the Masses of Lent, the preface prayer is the prayer that the priest uh, sings or says right before the Holy, Holy, Holy. And uh, in the preface prayer, the first one for Lent, he says, uh, we, uh, he, the, the prayer says, Await the sacred Paschal feast with the joy of minds made pure. So it's a time, Lent is a time of awaiting the sacred Paschal Easter feasts with the joy of minds made pure. So it's a joyful season. That's right, which is so counterintuitive. I'm presuming here, of course, that most of our listeners are familiar with the season of Lent. It's the, 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 the time of preparation, 40 plus days actually, uh, leading up to, to the, the holiest time of the year, uh, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and at the time of penance, we'll talk about that more in a minute, but it's also, so, so ironically to me, when, when you first proposed it, um, mm, it's yeah. also called the joyful season of Lent. Right. It's not supposed to be, it's, it's not a drudgery. Right. Oh, I can't eat meat on Fridays. I got to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Two whole days. Two. Right. Yeah. Two. <laughs> right. But uh, no, it's, it's joyful. And and the reason that's, but then we have to get to the reason why it's joyful. But just, I think it's first just to sink that in that it is supposed to be a joyful season. And and, and, and just to, to unpack what we we're just saying there. So it, yes, it is, a, it is a season of penance. It, it's a penitential mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we often do have that, we, we sort of, well, if a penitential equals drudgery, as you were just saying, and as, as we we're right. joking. But but right. if we, we, you look at the lives of the saints, that's typically not the case. They were joyful. They rejoiced in the midst of their sufferings, when or, whether it be a suffering they took on themselves in the form mm-hmm. of penance, asceticism, uh, or whether it be a suffering that they were experiencing that somebody is imposing on them, you know, torture, martyrdom, something like that. Right. They were joyful in the midst of, of their penances, uh, self-imposed or other imposed. And our Lord even tells us uh, in the Gospels that when we fast, we should still wash our face, anoint your head. Don't look like you're miserable. Right. Yeah. Because really, fasting isn't about being miserable, but that's maybe getting a little cart ahead of the horse, and we can talk about that in a moment. Okay. But uh, be good to just think about like what that joy of minds made pure means. Yeah, yeah. So what what do you think about that? I mean, because you you uh, 
we we were discussing this before we we started recording, and I, and I was really struck by by that. I, again, I as as Father mentioned it, I mean, where does the church, where does that come from? And and as and he's, as he said here, it comes from the prayer of the mass itself during the season of Lent. So, Father, how does that strike you? The joy of minds made pure. What does what does that mean to you? Well, the joy of minds made pure makes me think about um, the the mind rightly ordered to the proper things. Our mind, our attention, our focus, uh, what we're paying attention to, and to purify those intentions. Um, that what I should be most paying attention to are the things of God, love of God and love of neighbor. And Lent as a season allows me to do that, gives me the opportunity to uh, uh, put my efforts to where they should be all the time. So when we properly order things, when we give things, things their proper priority um, the result of that is the experience of joy then correct correct um because we're aiming towards what is our purpose that you were made and i was made all of us were made to receive the love of god and love of neighbor and to return the love of god and the love of neighbor and and so when we when we acknowledge that when we recognize that when we engage in that when we respond mm-hmm. to that the mm-hmm. fruit of that is joy and not i think right it's, it's not that we're seeking after the joy itself we're not we, we we can rejoice in the joy uh but when 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 we enter into that when we deepen that relationship with god one of the fruits of that is the experience of joy correct correct and um i actually think about it um slight tangent this would be a much bigger topic uh but you know um Looking at, we're uh, right now in daily masses reading through the book of Genesis. Right. And uh, we have the whole um, concept that God orders the world. He brings order to creation. He creates uh, night, day, sky, uh, land, and sea. And then he populates it with living creatures. Right. The sun and the moon, the stars, the birds, the fish, animals, people. And so that when we you, we can think about that in terms of the work of Jesus, he's bringing right order back and also new life back into us. Right, right. The the work of the new creation, as the church often refers to it. Correct. Which brings us to then like those things that we embrace during the season of Lent. Right. So there are three yes. common practices drawing from uh, what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, prayer, Fasting and almsgiving. Oftentimes, we 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 live these out. Of course, these are things that we should all seek to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. But they're things that we highlight in a particular way during the joyful penitential season of Lent. Uh, so, so let's let's unpack maybe um, each of them. Uh, I don't, Father. Prayer. I think we we're familiar with prayer, but in the context of Lent, and any any uh, specific direction you'd like to go with that. Well, um, yeah, so again, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, because if you want that joy of a mind made pure, then we need to do these three classical things, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, And so prayer in the concept of Lent, you know, there can be specific devotions for Lent, the Stations of the Cross, uh, but really to add to your life of prayer. You know, I suppose all of us would probably admit, uh, raise your hands unless you're driving, uh, that you pray less than you should. Okay, and so Lent is the opportunity to pray more, and so whether that's again things like rosaries, devotionals, whether it's the Holy Mass, uh, adding to, uh, a daily Mass or two, time of adoration, uh, reading of Scripture, uh, the God, the Passion accounts, but uh, that's really uh, just 
a way to think about to to intensify that prayer during Lent. You know, I'm father. I'm struck, Father, by um, so we just had what, what what are we in? Are we in the fifth fifth season of, or fifth week of ordinary time right now? Is yes, that that's correct. Um, Sunday's reading from from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Saint Mark, uh, where part of that is how Jesus arose early in the morning, um, mm. left yep. and went out to his deserted place and prayed. And, and, and thinking, um, looking ahead to Lent uh, and thinking about that. And, and we read so often in the Gospels of how Jesus would go out and he would spend time early in the morning um, or even overnight. He just prayed through the night. Jesus would pray. He'd speak with the Father. And I, th- I think that's, you know, again, as we're approaching Lent, something you could reflect on that, that Jesus himself prayed not Presumably because he needed something, although in his humanity, maybe there was that as dimension, but, but simply to be with his father. And that's, to me, a, a, mm. a model, an image for me that I've been reflecting on in the last couple of days that I think I'm going to continue to reflect on for some time, hopefully including during this 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 year's uh, season of Lent, about what the nature of prayer is as I seek to do what you're just talking about here, that is intensify my prayer efforts during Lent. Right. And so intensifying not just volume, but also purpose. Right, right, yep. right. So fasting. Now, again, we, we, we joked, you know, two whole days of fasting, but the entire season uh, we were called to to give a fasting dimension to. And so a lot of people, I think, mm-hmm. will, will one of the common things that, that, that many Catholics uh, do or, or strive to do during the season of Lent is give something up, you know, so the, uh, jokingly. But many people do give up you know, some maybe a food, a chocolate, coffee, mm-hmm. um, something like that. But giving something up, and again, this I'm thinking here of what you were saying a moment ago about how it's the, the joyful season of Lent, because when, when, we, when we deprive ourselves of some lesser good, it can oftentimes, it should help us uh, lead our minds, our hearts, our souls to a greater appreciation, if you will, of the greater good. Is that kind of the idea? I think definitely. And it can also become that tangible, visceral, infleshed reminder of prayer. And so when you feel that hunger, pray. Right, right. You feel that hunger, make an act of self-offering. You feel that hunger, uh, make some prayer intentions for a specific person or or purpose or thing in that way. So and so to be clear, when, when, the, when the church proposes fasting, as she does, or any sort of any sort of other sort of bodily uh, mortification, bodily penance, physical penance. Um, the, the point here is not to say that the the things that we're giving up are in any way bad. Uh, in, in fact, the, the churches, they're good, but we're giving them up for some larger purpose. So we're giving up the good of food or drink of, of some kind or uh, some sort because we're trying to do uh, in, engage more fully in, in that greater good. It's, as, it's something about what you just said really struck me that way. Um, so I, I, the, the reason we fast is not to say it's bad, but we're trying right. to give up the good for something greater. Right, it's only a fast if it's something good. I mean, fasting from antifreeze is is yeah. a fast. Right, right, right. It's called good health. Right, right. So I, you know, I think a lot of people joke. You know, I, I know certainly at my t- different points in my life, um, uh, for my my Lenten fasting would be give to give up something I shouldn't be doing anyway. Well, that's not really that's not the point at all of the fast. You should, uh, it's, it's, if it's a sin, you, you just, it doesn't count as a fast if you're giving it up for Lent. It's a good thing to do, but that's more of the conversion rather than the practice right. of fasting. 
Right. Over, spot on. So like, uh, I'm giving up swearing for Lent. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you should give up swearing for your own soul. Right, right, right. And for respect to the holy name of Jesus or whatever else it might be. Yes, yeah, so I think, but this is, so fasting is, is such a great, or any, again, any sort of, of, of penance uh, that way is a good thing to do throughout the year. We're invited to do that every Friday, in fact, uh, throughout the year, um, but particularly during the season of Lent as, as we're striving in a particular way to draw our minds to things of God, uh, a, a powerful way to, to, in fact, do that. And that right. that leads us to the third thing, Father Alms giving. What 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 is what is alms giving exactly? Uh, it's when someone has a speech impediment and they're talking about their hands. So, so instead of palms, it's <laughs> alms. I okay. Alms giving. <laughs> I don't no? think so. No, I, I, oh, okay. I think it may, look at the second definition in the dictionary that you're reading. Oh, oh okay. Let's go to uh, line two. No, so actually, I don't even know what the dish, the, the dic- Dictionary definition of alms giving is I don't know I don't know the origin of the word alms how bad does that make me yeah well I don't either so we're equally bad that way yeah I don't know the et- etymology yes. of the word alms but anyways um, uh, apparently it comes from the old English word and some Latin roots uh, Latin roots roots as well uh, meaning pity or mercy thank you intertubes yep Wikipedia to the rescue <laughs> and so. Uh, but um, yeah, so almsgiving, uh, the giving of something um, financially support, especially for the poor. So again, remembering that uh, uh, Jesus, and we we've talked about this in previous in the two in the two hundred eighth edition of Ignition. Yes, uh, we talked about the moral necessity on each of us to care for the poor, each and every one of us to care for the poor. Right. Um, and so uh, uh, this fits in with that, in the, in the, of giving that charity for the poor. So that's that, as we talked about, as you mentioned this, the, in the last episode, that outward focus, the outward dimension. Uh, the, the, the title I gave, ended up giving the, uh, the episode, Father, was um, something we talked about. They will know that we're Christians by our love. So the interior life that we're seeking to intensify, uh, especially through prayer and fasting, ought to bear fruit externally, exteriorly. Uh, and one concrete way that we can foster that is by doing concrete acts, works of mercy, as we talked about last week, but concrete acts of love for the poor. Um, it might be giving of, of, of the gifts that I've been given monetarily. It might be doing something literally um, for the poor in my midst, but somehow we are called. And for this is well, I'll confess, this is one that I'm uh, I, I, I probably give the least attention to uh, each Lent. I, I'm not very mindful of how during Lent I can intensify what I do for almsgiving. We, 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 we tithe, we give money to the church, but I don't, I don't know that I um, am, am very, haven't been very good heretofore with, with, uh, with almsgiving during Lent. Any, any recommendations for me? Well, I mean, there's the obvious uh, rice bowl, which is a, a, a neat tool you can use for some for some simple almsgiving. But um, I think one thing I just maybe would bring up this just kind of one of the oddities of where we live, and that in American society, because we we really have a lot of shame about the poor or about being poor, and so we hide poverty, at least the poverty in our own midst. Yeah, um, that's hard to easily find. Uh, the poor to help them and help them directly and personally in an uh, in, in an interpersonal way, right? Right. 
And so, um, you know, you really just raise up an interesting, just interesting thought line in our, in my, that we could dive into if we wanted to, I don't think we'll have time to, um, but just, you know, again, how do we find the poor? Right. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, we'll have to revisit that one, but if we're supposed to, if we're, if, if I am going to stop the, the Royal we here, if I am going to take these three practices more seriously, particularly as I've just been saying almsgiving, because I have been very good about it in years past, um, how concretely can I do that? Because I think sometimes I know my own case, at least, um, giving a little bit more money is probably an easy thing to, for me to do. And yet, is it truly the act of love that, that we discussed in the last episode, I'm called to be engaged in. Um, just because it's easier for me, oftentimes it's not the case that therefore it's it's what I'm supposed to do. Right, right. So so then one other thing that's not in the traditional three for Lent is? Spiritual reading. Spiritual reading. Yeah, so a lot of times people take on some, this might fit under prayer, I suppose, but it's it's not prayer per se, uh, but, but doing some additional spiritual reading during the season of of Lent and and Father, I know in my own case, just the nature of, of who I am, um, I've learned that less is more. Um, in in years past, years way mm, past, yeah. I try to read just a ton during Lent and call it spiritual reading, but it wasn't really spiritual reading. So maybe that'd be a good thing. What do we mean by spiritual reading? Well, I think anything that makes us more attentive to the life of the Spirit, um, uh, the life of God, the life of prayer, uh, the reality of God. Like when I do a spiritual reading, I'll often try to not just do a book about God, but a book that reveals someone's, like a saint's own relationship with God. It's like a saint's own writing uh, or something that invites me into a deeper relationship with uh, our Lord, especially maybe through the mysteries of, uh, of the Easter season. And like one thing I'll challenge myself on is to not use a pen for any notes when I read something like that. Really? Yeah. So it kind of keeps him away from a curiosity uh, and more of just and more to the idea of I'm I'm reading this for my own heart, if oh. you will, my own uh, life of prayer with God. Do you know yet what you'll be what you'll be doing for spiritual reading this Lent? Um, I'm still throwing some things around. I one thing that I, I, I it's a spiritual classic. Um, and many of our readers listeners may not have heard of it. I've heard of it, but never read it. Uh, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, a Carmelite lay oh, yeah. brother. Never read it before. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that just a page or two at a time, um, at least go. to begin Lent. And by reading a page or two at a time, that's a good way to allow yourself. Um, to kind of uh, uh, soak it in and uh, uh, allow yourself to maybe to see does it add into uh, my prayer. Right, right. So if, if you have any questions, you know, if you're, if you're trying to think of something to do, don't have any ideas, again, I mentioned earlier the email address and our Twitter Twitter handle, um, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Tweet to us, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition, uh, and maybe we can give you some recommendations if you're stuck. But Father, let's move on to the final point. Yeah. Because this, I think, goes to, again, to the whole idea of, of uh, to celebrate Easter, the Paschal Mysteries, with the joy of minds made pure. Um, and so one of the real fruits we want to get to, and we were both kind of alluding to this, is genuine repentance, genuine conversion. Because there's, there's a tendency that we can fall into um, in, in our life of faith and in the life of study of our faith that I like to call the spirit of Herod. Yeah. Okay. So do you know who Herod is? 
Herod, well, there are two Herods, but um, I, I, I happen to know which one you're talking about. Herod Antipas, I think, right? The, um, the, the, the man who beheaded John the Baptist, who, who was reigning in Galilee at the time of Jesus and John's public ministry. Correct, correct. And so, um, and Herod, if we look on, like in uh, Mark chapter 6, uh, talking about uh, the death of John the Baptist, it talks and says that uh, Herod was, uh, he loved to, um, uh, he loved to listen to John the Baptist. He was perplexed by him, but he never really was changed uh, by him. It says, Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. Um, so I think that spirit of Herod can be in our own lives where we, we like to hear the things of God and learn about the things of God, but that we still want to keep it maybe at arm's length right? Uh, and not have it actually change our lives. So to, if you will, cast out that spirit, that, that false spirit, that false sense of superficial attraction to Jesus, but without really paying any closer attention. Correct. And so to actually, um, and what's really needed for that is a gift of sorrow for our sins. Herod knew what he was doing was sinful, but he had no sorrow for it, no repentance, no repugnance. And so um, part of that gift of a... a, a a, a joy of minds made pure is a, a true sorrow for our sins. Are we just sorry that we're caught in our sins and could go to hell if we died? Or are we sorrowful for the sin itself and, and how it's that missed opportunity for life with our Lord? Yeah. And I think this is, as you said, this is, this is something we can ask for. I know father and you know, my, I think this is probably true for most of us, uh, at least early on in our spiritual lives. I, there, there are areas of my life where I know that something is wrong, a particular sin that maybe I'm um, particularly prone to, but I'm not yet at this point, I confess, repulsed by it. I, I don't find it to be repugnant, as you said. And so one thing that I, Lord, give me a hatred, give me a repugnance, give me a disgust for for my sinfulness, for, for maybe a particular sin. Um, and, and that's a gift that, that God will, will, he'll answer that prayer in his own time, as he always does, but it's a prayer that he will answer. Correct. And, and, and the hope for that, and maybe it might not even be till our, our deathbed, but hopefully before. Right. Um, but that we'll have that opportunity for that uh, uh, repentance. And, um, and it, it's a definitely a thing to ask some of the saints for you to pray for and, and to develop and grow. And Because this is, of course, repent uh, and, and believe in the gospel. And this is yeah, a, yeah. a season in which we're called to, to turn from our sins and turn more towards our Lord. Um, and so certainly a, a time when um, we can, we can ask for the, uh, a hatred of our sins so that we might grow closer to Jesus. Father, Correct. we've got uh, a, a, just a little bit of time left. Any, any final closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think just maybe just encourage uh, everyone, encourage myself by saying this, is to make uh, Lent to be that opportunity for minds uh, made pure, to have the j- full joy of the Paschal feasts. So when Easter comes, uh, we're celebrating uh, uh, with our Lord and with the whole church. Amen. That's a beautiful way to end today's episode. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier a couple times, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet to us at sfdiocese using the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, any questions, or topics for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock on Lamb Catholic Radio on 91.3 FM in Hartford and Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.